Hi there. So we're reading um, from John chapter 15, um, from verse 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Mother Teresa was once asked the question, what is the, the greatest problem facing the human race? And the person that asked her the question thought that she would give the answer poverty. But the answer she gave was not poverty. She said it was loneliness. That loneliness is the, the greatest problem that we face in our world today. And the answer to the greatest problem is the greatest love, the friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage is building up to the time when Jesus will be betrayed and crucified. And he says to the disciples that he's about to leave them and go back to the Father. And they're going to carry on the work that he has started and that they will do even greater things than he had done. But as this chapter carries on, it talks about the hostility that they're going to face. They're going to face such challenge. And in the media, the last few weeks, we've seen how Kate Forbes, when she put her name forward for the leadership of the SNP, there was a great hostility and opposition. But it wasn't just a hostility and opposition to her. It was a hostility and opposition to her best friend, her best friend, Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you are my friend, you will do what I command. And when push comes to shove, in that moment of decision, she chose to remain faithful to her best friend rather than to please the crowd 
and receive the reward of, of this life. And who knows how it will turn out. God has a way of honoring those who honor Him. These disciples were faced with an uncertain future, and they were anxious. They felt all alone. They were confused, and they needed counsel. They were anxious, and they needed comfort. They were lonely, and they needed a friend. They were burdened by the weight of responsibility that was just about to fall on their shoulders. Have you ever felt alone serving God? Have you ever prayed, Lord, I feel so alone in this? Have you ever felt helpless? Lord, send more help. I think that's a common experience. I feel alone in this, and Lord, send me help. And in this critical moment, Jesus promises them His friendship. He says, if you trust in me, I will provide you with a friend. He says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command. So I want to speak about why we need this friendship with the Lord. Why do we need this friendship with the Lord? What is this friendship like? And what difference does it make? Well, if we go back to the very first page of the Bible, we learn that we are not a tree, that we are not an animal, that we are different and the difference is that we are made to be like God. We're made in the image of God. Genesis 1.26. And listen carefully to these words. This is what it says in Genesis 1.26. This is the Lord speaking. Let us make man in our image. Plural, singular. So what's the problem? The problem is that Adam created and put in the Garden of Eden. It's not good. Something's wrong. He hasn't sinned yet, but there's something wrong. What's wrong is that he's like God in many ways, but he's unlike God in that he's all alone. God is not alone. God has never been alone. God is not lonely. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all eternity, have been in friendship. Friendship has always been there even before the world was created. And Adam needed a friend. And Eve was provided, and that was great, and human friendship is amazing, and it's a gift from God, but even the best human friends, even a spouse or a husband, 
a father, a, a daughter, a son, a close friend. It's not enough to satisfy that loneliness in our hearts that we need a divine friend. No human being can provide this kind of friendship. And that's why marriages often struggle because we're trying to get from our marriage partner something that only God can provide. Or maybe from our, our friendship. We're saying, why is our friend not giving us what we need? Because that friend was never designed to meet all of our needs. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother that can provide all of your needs. St. Augustine wrote, and he had many relationships, he said, O oh Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. So why does Jesus say you are not you're not only servants but friends? We are servants, but we're more than servants, we're friends. First of all, he shares his plans with us. This is what this friendship is like. He shares his plans with us. God shares his secrets with us. With a slave or a servant, you say, do this, do that. With a friend, you actually let them into your thinking. He says, a servant does not know what his master is doing. No, I've called you friends because all that I learned from the Father I've made known to you. The Apostle Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter 3, he was totally bowled over that the one who was a servant of the gospel, the least of all God's people, the, the chief of sinners, that God would, would reveal the gospel to him and give him the huge privilege of telling others. What a privilege it is. No matter how tired we are, no matter how at times we feel that the rotors are short, there's not enough people helping, I'm very alone in this. Let's not forget what a privilege it is. <laughs> what a privilege it is to serve. What a privilege it is to share Jesus with just one person. Just one person that would, would get an encouragement. And that's what keeps us going. Because Jesus, our friend, has given us this great privilege. He shares his plans with us. He's totally committed to us. He will never let us down. But it's not a friendship of equals because we don't ask our friends to obey us. That's a bit strange. You know, if you say to your friend, you will be there <laughs> because you will obey me. With God... He commands us. And I want to look at that in a bit more detail because the whole theme of obedience runs through this friendship. It's a friendship which calls us to obedience. So how do we do that? 
Well, the key is what we've been learning for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's this vine and the branches. Remain in me. Stay close to me, and you will bear much fruit. The only way to be in God's will and to do God's will is to stay close to God through Jesus Christ. So what is it like? What, the key question in this passage is, what does it mean to remain in Christ? What does that actually mean? Maybe we've been hearing it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I've been preaching it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I still need to go back and check what it means. So I don't know what it's like for you. So would it be helpful just to say it one more time? What does it actually mean to remain in Christ? Well, if you think about the vine, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. The sap is flowing from the vine to the branches. The life is flowing from the vine to the branches. Unless the branches are in the vine, there is no life. So what happens when you're tired? What happens when you're feeling lonely? What happens when you feel we're a bit down on the rotors this week? Where do you get your strength from? You get it from being connected in to Jesus. And we need to look at what is flowing from the vine to the branches. It's three things. In verse 7, it's His Word. In verse 9, it's His love. And in verse 11, it's His joy. And we're heading towards joy. I don't know if you always feel like that when I'm preaching. But that is what's happening this morning. We're heading towards joy. The obedience, when you're a friend of Jesus, is all about joy. So let's look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Are you totally saturated in the Word of God? Is your thinking influenced by the Word of God? When, when Kate Forbes was in that, that moment of decision, when the journalist asked her the question, what gave her, what did she get in that moment? The, the, the Word of God flowed from the vine to the branch in that moment. And she said, this is what the Word of God says. It's not me that chose this Word. This is what God's Word says. If we remain in the Word of God, we will know God's will. And we will move in that direction, even if the world is moving in the other direction. It says in James that to be a friend of God, you can't be the friend of the world. You can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. You have to make a choice. And the Word of God presents before us a choice to receive it, to trust in it, and to obey it. And that informs how we pray. In verse 9, it speaks about love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in that lo my love. 
When we're going through a difficult time, and it seems like everyone's against us, and that can happen in our Christian lives, it can happen in the office as well, it can happen in your workplace. What do you do when you need to know that God loves you in that moment? You need to remind yourself that, that your life does not consist in terms of your achievements or your possessions. It consists in your relationship with God who loves you with an unfailing love. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And these uncertain, anxious, troubled disciples needed to know that he loved them. And that's why there was that conversation between Peter, who had denied Jesus three times on that beach. But it was, what was the conversation about? It was all about love. Jesus affirming his love for Peter, and Peter then going on to love others. But this, don't miss it, this is saying that God loves you as much as he loves his own son that he has been with for all eternity. John 17, 23, Father, this is Jesus praying in Gethsemane when everyone has deserted them. You have loved them even as you've loved me. God really loves you. How can, I, how can you be sure of that? Look at the cross. A demonstration of his love. And then his joy, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He's saying that all of his teaching, all of his dealings with us is so that we would have joy. The devil wants to deceive us. He wants to tell us that God is not for us, that God is out to spoil our lives. He sold us a duff package, that there's a better life out there if you disconnect from Jesus and his people, and you will find Happiness, that's a lie. When you look at the suffering in this world and, you, and, the, and the things that are going wrong. I was reading in the paper yesterday about he's a, a punk rocker and he was, he's coming back to church. He's coming back to church because he realizes a bit like what Doug shared at the men's breakfast yesterday, that although the world is in a mess and the world is groaning, that God has a plan and God has overcome this world through his death on the cross. In this life you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. And what this punk rocker was saying is we need to look beyond the trouble and see a world that God loves and considers worth saving. Hope is hanging on to Jesus and exercising imagination, a biblical imagination. So we can get all depressed and sad 
when we see suffering in this world, and it's right to lament, we can feel that God is against us and that He's, 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 he's sold as a duff package. But Jesus says, no, the whole purpose of this is that you may have joy. That's what I'm all about. I'm all about your happiness. Some of the older members of the congregation will know this hymn, but it's saying the same things, that the, the life of God flows from, the, from Jesus to the believer, from the vine to the branches. It's about His Word, about His love, and about His joy. And what's the outcome of trusting and receiving from Jesus? What's the outcome? It's obedience. Happy obedience. Delighting in the commands of the Lord. Do you see the commands of the Lord, the word of the Lord as a drudgery? Or do you see it as a delight? And the answer to that question will tell you the condition of your heart this morning. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor He shows and the joy He bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship suite, we will sit at His feet or we'll walk by His side in the way. What He says we will do and where He sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way. There's no other way to be happy than to trust in His love and in His Word and you will come into His joy. So if that's what this friendship is like, what difference does it make? The difference is that we become more like Jesus. That is the fruit. Verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. In that moment of choice, we either show ourselves to be his disciples or we show ourselves to not be his disciples. In that moment of choice, we either acknowledge him or we deny him. But there's much grace, as we know from the story of Peter, even for those who deny. It's a snapshot. It's not the end of the story. For He has chosen us. We have not chosen Him. He says, no one can pluck them from my hands. And He calls us to trust and obey and to persevere in the faith right to the very end by fixing our eyes 
on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of God. Consider him who, who suffered like that for us, that we may not grow weary and lose heart. And so what does it mean to be like Jesus? There's one word which sums it up, and it's the word love. The hardest and the simplest thing in this passage is Jesus saying, love one another. It's the simplest thing. We all understand what he's saying, but we know it's hard. And he says that is the evidence that we are trusting and receiving from Jesus, that we love one another. Because he loved us even before we loved him. He laid down his life for us, cost him everything. And so the question, the really practical question, if we want to enter into joy, then we need to learn to love people that don't love us. It's easy to love people that love us, but the way to find the joy that Jesus is talking about is to love people who don't love us, who don't like us, because that is Christ-like love. It's a choice to forgive, and it's a choice to love. And we exercise our will before our emotions catch up. And Jesus in Gethsemane said, not my will, but yours be done. And he chose the cross. so that we could enter into eternal joy with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You that He made that choice for us. We thank You that He always trusted in His Father's love. We thank You that He always depended on His Father's Word. And we thank you that he always did exactly what the Father commands. And we confess, Lord, that we often feel lonely in the work that you've called us to do. And we often feel we would love to have more help. But we thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And we thank you that you are at work in us and that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we thank you that the pattern of the church is that when they prayed and stuck to your teaching 
and loved one another, you added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the team expanded, and more ministry could be done, and the gospel spread all around the world. Lord, we pray that you would keep us in your word, keep us in your love, and give us that joy unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.